Welcome to the Every Wise Woman Builds podcast. My name is Rebecca Love Doris, and in this concluding episode of the interview with Donna Otto, Donna shares with us more about her experience being mentored by Elizabeth Elliott. If you read my blog posts, you may have read the post called Confession Time, where I talked about how overwhelmed I had become about some of my weaknesses. And one of my friends rightly guessed that this interview may have sparked that post, and it did. As I listened to this again, it stuck out to me that the reason Elizabeth Elliot was able to help Donna Otto with some of her weaknesses was because they had built such a good friendship already. As you listen to this, please keep in mind that whether you're on the giving end or the receiving end of wisdom, relationship is paramount, and we have to build a relationship with those coming along behind us before we can ever help them with the wisdom that they need. And it's important to remember that before we feel overwhelmed by those who are ahead of us and who seem to have it all together. So anyway, enjoy this and God bless. You know, it's been said that every generation um, fails to meet the previous generation. Every generation comes short. But um, I was reading that in, in her memorial service, you said, um, you gave this quote, we are dwarfs standing on the shoulders of giants. We see further than the ancients, not because they are taller, not because we are taller than they, but because we stand on their shoulders. Yes, and, grief, yes. Yes, yes. And then in um, Psalm 119, it says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy presets. So I know you are very um, knowledgeable about mentoring. You've been mentored and you've mentored so many people. So um, how has mentoring enhanced your understanding of Scripture and life so much that you have more to pass down than you've been given? Oh, that's a lovely question and very thoughtful. Yes. Uh, Well, mentoring for me uh, was a lifestyle as I grew in my womanhood and in my faith. Um, I wouldn't have called it mentoring. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I became interested in really studying the scripture that I understood the concept theologically. Hmm. But I, um, when I was in my early 40s, um, seven or eight young women in their 20s came to me and asked me if I would mentor them. And I uh, just unilaterally, immediately said, no. (laughs) I, I know one thing, and that is that I don't know anything. So how could I teach you anything? But they were very persistent young women, and uh, that's God's way with us sometimes, and they were persistent, and I was persistent in asking God what this was about and what he meant for it. Uh, And during that year that they persistently asked me to reconsider, I came to grips with what I said a minute ago, and that was that my landscape had been scattered with older women mm. who had been dropped into my life, knocked on my door, literally, mm. and came into my life to encourage me, to teach me, to model, to mentor me. And when I came to that realization, I, I think initially, Rebecca, I would say, I probably said yes to them out of reciprocality, mm-hmm. which is not something I'm proud of because I don't mm-hmm. like reciprocality in, in a general sense. Mm-hmm. But um, I said yes, and that began a journey, which, as you know, I have written curriculum mm-hmm. called Letters for Mothers, and the book that I wrote 
now in the 90s, the end of the 90s, finding a mentor, being a mentor, has been widely used around the world. And it's mostly because churches were coming to realize that these two entities, older women, younger women, needed some sort of bridge, some sort of help yes. to connect with one another. Yes, and exactly. When I was, exactly, and when I was uh, asked to write uh, the finding a mentor, particularly finding a mentor, being a mentor, I had to come to my own definition because I had a lot of young women, young women, who said, please, please, please find me a mentor. I need a mentor. Will you be my mentor? You know, there are X number of hours in everyone's day to mentor people. And I developed mentoring groups, and that was good. But still, and I found that the older women were saying, yeah, but I'm not qualified. Right. And in the end of the 90s, the first of the 21st century especially, I heard many women say that the group they were being asked to mentor were singularly the most educated women that ever walked the face of the earth. You are one of those, Rebecca, at your age and who you are. And so older women were saying, not me, not I. Mm. And so I came to this definition, and that was my style of mentoring was giving your life perspective away. Oh, that's so and your life is your life, God-led, and I think the kind of mentoring we're talking about is not only um, my life perspective, but my theological um, life perspective. How, how is it that I walk in faith? So it was easy then from there, and of course Elizabeth was very helpful in that process as well. And my understanding of the scripture was dramatically broadened because while the word mentor is not found in the scripture mm-hmm. anywhere, there are mentoring types. Oh, talk about scattered landscape. (laughs) There are so many men and women who have mentored one another through the scripture. And of course, Paul and Titus would be the first, Paul and Timothy. There are just so many older men, younger men, and then older women as well. So uh, I think one of my favorites is Apollo, who you can find in, uh, I think it's Acts maybe 18 or 19, and Apollos is, oh, it's this amazing list of credentials, mighty in the scripture, fervent in spirit, he speaks and teaches the word accurately, he comes from this marvelous history, he's an Alexandrian by birth, and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But when when, uh, they come to him, because he's only teaching what he knows, Mm -hmm. And when they come to him and say, but, but you, oh, he said, okay, I'm going to go, but okay, teach me more. Yeah. What is it? Tell me, tell me more. Uh, I think that's the heart of both the mentor and what I call the daughter of my heart. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I love that. Well, I know, I mean it. And, and I know you said, um, I, I read that you said that Elizabeth Elliot was to you a brick covered in velvet. Um, <laughs> that's hard. It's hard to throw around a brick even when it's wrapped in velvet. So how was she able yeah. to be honest with you like that <laughs> without well, breaking that's that? Actually, that's actually a little, uh, uh, I'm not sure what my quote was, but I do know that I have called her a velvet covered brick, but that was not, I wish I could say it was my original, but um, there was a gentleman who lived 
in Texas who annually awarded the velvet covered brick. Oh, really? And uh, it was just what you might imagine it to be a steady, sturdy, confident brick that will hold up a building because wow. its information and status is that strong. But mm. it's covered in velvet. And Elizabeth received that award um, mm. during her lifetime. Um, I never heard anything more perfect in my life because she was the most forgiving woman. And if your readers and listeners have not read um, her story, um, oh, yes. the story of, of her going back to the Alka Indian. Oh, yes. Forgiving. Um, the very yes. man who killed her husband and the father of her two-year-old daughter, she came to America and got herself resituated and then prayed and took her two-year-old daughter, now nearly three, back to the jungle for the very people who killed her husband. That is forgiveness. Yes. That makes you a brick. That makes you solid and serious. And Elizabeth was that. But she was also gentle and kind and had a wonderful sense of humor. Um, her daughter and I became friends and her daughter, like you, has eight children. And, um, mm. I have been a part of that mushrooming family now, many of whom are married and some are parents of children and bear Elizabeth's great grandchildren. And it has been wonderful to watch what that sturdy brick, um, mm. velvet covered, uh, has done to the generations that will never know her but have been affected by her. Well, well, um, when I when I say that. I know, I know you've said before that she said some things that were hard to hear. Like, um, <laughs> I, I'm just wondering how sometimes when you're, when you're helping a younger woman, sometimes you have to say things that are hard and, and you don't want to alienate them. Like one thing that always gets me that you say, she said was don't carry a Bible unless, unless you're swept under the bed. But, and yeah. you know, how, where were you in life when she said that? And, and how was she able to tell you hard things without, um, hurting you? Well, I think there would be two answers to that. Um, and the first was she knew me. Hmm. And um, I, I can be quite dense. Uh, I think I still have denseness in my life. And I don't get it right away. Um, so in our relationship, she, come, she came to know me well enough that she could come to me with with hard things, with um, strong words, um, and I heard them. I, I hear strong words. Uh, my dad used to say, oh, you have to hit her head with a book bat. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess that's just part of who I've been. And so she knew that. When I look back on it, and I think I can understand how you're hearing that and thinking, wow, that's pretty harsh. Mm -hmm. And it was harsh. I mean, it was strong. I don't know about harsh, but it was strong. It sure was. Um, however... She knew me well enough to know that it was a strong word, and that strong sentence was a place where I actually took a complete departure in my life because she was right. I had no order. And what she told me in conversations that followed were, how can you stand on a platform and teach God's word and teach about obedience when you have no order in your life. Mm -hmm. Now, she didn't say no order in my life, I, I, but she was implying that because she was right. I, 
I, I had the gift of teaching, and I was very able to discern the Word of God, and I was a good student, mm-hmm. uh, eventually a seminary student, but, but that did not change the fact that I was out of order. I lost my keys four times a day. <laughs> the first book I wrote was on organization because my life was dramatically changed wow. by that remark, which led to my diligence in finding order in my world. And she was beyond understanding. She knew what I didn't know for decades, that I could stand on the platform and say to you, follow after Christ, do these things, this takes order, he is an order, be God. You have to not put him first, like he's on a ladder, and then I think a lot of a lot of people talk about this order with God, you know, the God's first, our family's second, our, you know, that's not how God is. God is at the center. He's at the yes. core of who I am. Everything emanates, uh, emanates out of him. Yes. And so finding order, making the priorities of my private worship, all of that was a, a pivotal point and changed the trajectory of my life. So, yes, it was strong. And I think to answer your specific question about did that hurt? No, it didn't because I was too deaf to know it would hurt. <laughs> but it was useful. And I think when we enter into this precious work of mentoring, we are we are to give our life perspective away, but we're to understand and seek God's face for the people we're called to mentor. Who are they? What is God calling you to do to encourage them? And when you know that, you'll speak to them in a language that um, they'll understand. That's wonderful. And I'll tell you this. I believe that is one reason I love to listen to you because you do speak in a language to understand, but you also speak coming from a place where you have been here because that's exactly where I am right now. And, And it helps me to know that there was a time in your life when you were out of order. And it gives me hope that I can get to a place where <laughs> I'm writing a book on organization. That is a joke right now. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been talking on, on, um, on our show about lessifying. Mm-hmm, I love now, it. Organization is an ongoing um, challenge um, in a culture that has ramped up our speed yes. and increased the need to handle things like cell phones and computers and pads and mm-hmm. televisions that you just don't turn the button on anymore. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I still just in the last decade learned how to turn my television on and find what I want. <laughs> 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 and I'm old enough now to that I was off and on switch, period. <laughs> it, it is a, a complicated time. And I, I want to say to you, Rebecca, um, following after God is really important and it, he's calling you to this podcast and this show and the encouragement to older women to invest in younger women. Um, he will provide. But as Elizabeth always said, God ordained that you participate. And mm-hmm. you're doing your practice of participation in getting your world in order and keeping it in order. Putting, mm-hmm. Knowing what a priority is and staying with your priorities will make this work um, so much easier for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't tell you how much oh. this has helped me. 
and encouraged oh, me. Wow. Me too. Me too. I love meeting you this way. And um, if we never get to see each other face to face, it's wonderful to look forward to the time when we will yes, in another uh, kingdom. Yes, ma'am. And thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to have been with you and your listeners. Well, thank you so much. God bless you. Peace be with you. You too. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Every Wise Woman Builds podcast. In next week's episode, I plan to share with you a wonderful conversation with a lady who has mentored me so many times throughout the years. Her name is Brenda Gilley, and she's going to be talking with us about the number one thing that will make everything else possible for our children and those coming along behind us. So I sure hope you'll join us. God bless. Have a great day. Turn your heart toward home